The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Medium, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. And I keep reminding you, that's just like a, you know, the, in the old days, you have the gramophone with the record on it that would go round and round. Well, I'm like one of those that got stuck in a groove. And I keep reminding you all, please remember to go to our podcasts because it really helps us to get the word out there. It also helps you to pass it on to other people. And as I always say, or every single one of my guests is worth passing on. But today we have a brand new guest joining us. Dave Bowden is joining us from from the other other side of the ocean. So this is very exciting. And before we get any further, Dave, I will just say, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to join you guys in the state. Absolutely. Dave Bowden is an operative director of Grace Foundation, which is a Christian ethos charity that helps transform young people's lives. He is the co-creator of Clear Series, a media ministry that helps start spiritual conversations with young people All over the world, Dave lives, works, and writes in the West Midlands, England. If you want to see more about him, you can go to his substack, which is Dave, D-A-V-E, Bowden, B-O-D-E-N, Dave Bowden, altogether, dot substack, dot com. Dave, you have a, a book that you've written. And it's called Parallel Faith. And one of the intro yes. things that you mention in this is, do we point people in the vogue direction of Jesus, of the vague direction of Jesus, and then hope that they can find him on their own? Or are we willing to walk with them side by side on the journey? What an amazing statement. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. And you know what? That, that originally comes from a story, which I tell in the book, um, of something that happened to me on a family holiday, actually, where I'd heard this story about a painting of Jesus in a cave. Can you believe it? In Scotland. And I wanted to go find this painting of Jesus in the cave. So I decided to check a guidebook and follow the directions to be able to find it. And I went on a bit of an adventure with my family. And soon enough, if I'm honest, I got a little bit lost (laughs) and didn't quite make it to the cave and didn't quite, I wasn't very successful. So I kept having to go back to the guidebook, back to the guidebook, and it was like six, seven caves along. And eventually I found this painting of Jesus. And after searching for so far to try and find it, and when I saw it, it was like a glorious moment. It was like, I finally found Jesus. And it was such a fun analogy for me of, I suppose for somebody who's been a Christian for a long time, I feel like, well, I know Jesus in my real life, but there's many people out there who actually don't know where Jesus is. Even when we actually tell them where they should be looking, they can't go and find him. And I needed a guide on that day. Maybe we need to be those guides for other people. Absolutely. That's so well said. What a beautiful analogy, though, to it. You know, using an experience like that, it's, it's so true. And, you know, I was just recently talking to somebody, one of my guests, and talking about um you know that they do missionary work and they they actually go out and teach people to how to pray they bring the gospel 
And there's a whole, yeah. uh, there's a whole yeah. part of what their missionary work is. And it's all to do with l- learning how to pray. You know, it, and, and we don't, we don't really do that too often. We just, you know, we just sort of sometimes route or we do, but, but, you know, finding, finding Jesus on that journey is, is amazing. What does it mean to walk, pa- in the book, you talk about a couple of different things. What does it mean to walk yeah. parallel with people and how exactly do we do this? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I've come to believe is that the Christian life is about walking with Jesus and walking with people as well. And, you know, the Bible says, doesn't it, that we're to love God with all our heart and love other people as we love ourselves. And I think sometimes we probably find it easier to do the first part, don't we? And the second part, walking with people, is a lot harder. So walking parallel with people is about being side by side with people for the ups and downs of life. It's about building relationship with people who are Christians and people who aren't and actually walking with them through their conflicts, their chaos, their celebrations. And, you know, I'm not talking about friendship evangelism because I think sometimes when people talk about friendship evangelism, that almost implies that we're friends with people to get an outcome, to get a result. But this is about literally loving other people because God has loved us first. And I think walking parallel with people is about actually being near them. It's, I think so often we live in the Christian bubble, don't we, where mm-hmm. we only surround ourselves with people that think like us, act like us, and be like us. And when you actually choose to get outside that bubble, you realize there's some amazing people that are desperate to find Jesus, but they're never going to enter a church building, but they are going to enter your life. So that's what being parallel with people is all about. How do we do that? Well, to do that, we've got to be near them, haven't we? You Absolutely. Know, and I think... For me, I mean, you probably know this in your own life, that proximity is potency. It's the most powerful thing, actually being alongside other people. Um, You know, we can't restrict this whole idea to love one another, just the people inside the church walls. Uh, Because Jesus didn't, did he? He he walked with people from Pharisees to prostitutes, tax collectors to fishermen, friends to folk. He, He walked with people, whoever they were. And he's such an incredible example for us of somebody that decided that he was going to step outside the religious comfort blanket. blanket. I mean, in the, in the gospel, if we think about it, Jesus came from heaven, didn't he? I mean, that is the ultimate leaving behind the comfort zone of heaven to actually be where people are. So I think, how do we do it? Well, we've got to be where people are. Absolutely. So, so, so well said. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I, I think, you know, your, 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 your words about the fact that we, we tend to say, think that we're doing wonderful work. You know, one, oh my goodness, I'm being so, so Christian amongst other Christian people because we really don't yeah. like to step outside of that, that thing. You know, I look in America and I'm sure it's the same in England, but you know, we've got this incredibly, um, toxic, Political system going right now because you, know, every, yeah. you either you either believe you're either a Democrat or a Republican, and if you're not one or the other, then then you're sort of like the enemy. Go stay over there. Go on the other side of the road, type of thing. <laughs> but it, it's a it's that whole thing of crossing over and being able to be with people. You're so right. You also talk about um, that the fact that people are waiting for their holy moment. What does that mean? Yeah, and and that. I love that phrase, holy moly. It sort of links back into the experience I had in the cave, actually looking for that picture of Jesus, because I was so frustrated that I couldn't find him. 
But then there was that moment that came where it just clicked and I, I saw that painting. Um, and that painting, you know, blew my mind in that moment. And it got me to thinking about the people in my life that don't know Jesus, that they haven't yet had that holy moment. And it also got me to thinking about, you know, this idea that actually there's some people who maybe were told this is where you can go and find Jesus, whether it be a church or a program or a community. And they've gone there and they've not encountered something of uh, the living Christ. And I think one of the biggest things we want to do as Christians is we want to pass on what God's given to us. Like we can't share good news unless we first experience that good news Mm -hmm. first. So for me, that holy moment is when you come to that moment of realization that God is who he says he is, that Jesus loves us, that he's got a plan for our lives, and he wants us to be part of his amazing purpose. He wants us, I guess you could say, to walk parallel with his purpose. And that moment for me, and I know it would be the same for you, like when you have that moment, it just changes everything, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. It sure does. It absolutely does. It's that, it's that sudden recognition that, you know, when, when he says, be, you know, I am, I am with you at all times, he means it. He, he, and, you know, I have a purpose for you. And suddenly you get that, yeah, he does. Wow. He really does. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it is that it is. You're absolutely right. There is absolutely that. It's how we, you know, when we been um, yes. in the church for a while, we can so often become comfortable with this good news message. And it's only when you go outside of the bubble that you realize that we have the best news in the world. And there's some people who've never even heard it. And that's just, that blows my mind for somebody who grew up in a church community, you know, that people have never heard what we're talking about today. You're so right. And, and, and here we are hiding it away almost. I mean, we, we, we're duty bound to give it. If you've got something that, you know, if I've made the most beautiful cake in the world, I want to share it with people. I don't want to keep it in the kitchen type of thing, you know, so we've got, we've got to be able to do that for sure. You, you, can you explain to us what you mean by authentic, vulnerable relationships? How do these help people to become spiritually curious? I love that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Coming back to that thing we were talking about earlier about being present with people, um, you know, one of the phrases that I, I love to talk about is that when people are making big decisions about God, they're actually making micro decisions about us. Huh. So the idea is that when we're walking with people, they're saying, you know, do it's not just do I trust God. First of all, they're saying, do I trust this person? Can I be open with them? What difference does this God make to them? Do I want what they have? Do they care about me? So I think being authentic and vulnerable is actually letting people into your world a little bit before we actually introduce them to Jesus. Because like, I guess it's like anything. Like, I, I'm not sure that if, if somebody that I didn't know who they were, what they stood for and what they were about, if they tried to tell me something, this is how you need to change your life, I don't think I'd listen unless I was actually in an authentic, vulnerable relationship with them. And I think as well, you know, if the name of the game is connection, it's, it's actually rare that you can delegate that process. Because I think as Christians, we do like to delegate things, don't we? And say, well, I pay my pastor to do this for me. Mm-hmm. You know, or we think, you know, somebody needs to go to a program or that happens on the platform. But I think this idea of authentic, vulnerable relationships, uh, God has placed me in the world that I'm in. So I'm sat here today in my workplace uh, and only I can reach the people that God has put in my world around me. 
um, you know, I can't abdicate that and ask you to do it or, mm-hmm. you know, my pastor in my church to do it because this is where God's placed me. He's put me on mission right where I am. Mm-hmm. Very well said. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, I know as you're, as you're saying that, Dave, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I do that all the time. <laughs> so, you know, well, why doesn't the, why isn't the priest doing this? And why isn't the priest doing that? I mean, you know, why am, why aren't I doing it? <laughs> you know, where yeah. am I in this? This is, that, that is a real call to action there for me. That for, for sure. Um, explain well, what, and sorry. Me. Yeah. And for me, it's an everyday challenge, isn't it? When you think about that, I, like I love, you know, you were talking about the cake thing earlier. Like I love the the scripture where Jesus says, "Like nobody would light a lamp and then put it under a bowl." Exactly. Uh, and you think actually, if you were to light something and then put it under a bowl, you're abdicating your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think so often as Christians we do that, which is a big challenge to me, as mm-hmm. well as it may be to you. It is. It really is. You you talk explain to us what you mean about parallel with purpose. Yeah. I think that's one more step, so, sort of. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? And yeah. I think it it links into this idea that if we choose to take responsibility for what God has given us to do, so Jesus left us with one big commandment. He basically said, "What I want you to do, guys, is go and make disciples." And um, after he did that. He, he didn't then expect that we would sort of like sit around and do nothing and wait for somebody else to do it. He said it to his disciples and he expected them to go and make disciples. So to be parallel with purpose is basically to choose to decide that we're going to align our life with God's plan and mission, which ultimately is built around making disciples. And I guess sometimes, you know, I know in my life, I've been a church leader for many years, we're not currently pastoring at the moment, but I know that sometimes it's easy to default into church, isn't it, to making attendees rather than disciples. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be parallel with purpose, we've got to decide that we're going to be part of God's mission to go and do that. And everybody gets to be part of that. That's the cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. The, one of the other things that you, that you talk about, and some of the terminology is just wonderful. You, you talk about what is what is a slow burner approach to following Jesus? I love your terminology. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, maybe it's British. <laughs> uh, I, I think so often we have this expectation that people are going to come into a church building and they're going to be ready to follow Jesus and they've done all the work. They've near enough sorted themselves out before they come in the door. So I love what, one of the there's a church strategist who says even though most people's journeys don't start before they enter a church building most churches act like they do and that's quite a powerful thing to think about isn't it that we sort of near enough have this whole expectation that people are going to understand the language they're going to understand the process they're going to know what to do and how to behave before they get to us and it the, the best analogy i can use is it's almost like standing in the middle of a desert with a fishing rod and there's a stream a mile off and we expect the fish to jump out of the stream, crawl along the desert and then jump onto our fishing rod. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I've caught a fish, <laughs> which is a stupid analogy, isn't it? No, it's perfect. <laughs> but, but actually, that's what we do all the time. And Jesus said, I'm going to call you to be fishers of men. So when we talk about being a slow burner approach, it's actually recognizing that most people have to take little steps towards Jesus before they take big steps with him. 
And that changes everything in my view. When we start to really see that people are on a spiritual journey towards Jesus and that we as Christians are called to meet them from their starting point and not ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the game changer, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 Do you think young people are drawn to something deeper today or are mostly ambivalent about faith? And you address this in your book. Yeah. So I have the great privilege of working with quite a lot of young people through my job. So we, we our team actually works with 12,000 young people every day. And most of these young people have got no faith background whatsoever. So they're not waking up in the morning and saying, you know, hey, is Jesus, was he a madman? Was he the son of God? They're not asking questions, the kind of questions that we want them to be asking, but they are asking questions. So young people today, I believe, and you could probably relate to this in your own life, whether it's family or, or church, is young people are incredibly spiritual. And by I mean that is they're open to spiritual things, but they often don't know where to direct it. Because for them, the idea of a religious institution is irrelevant. So it's not something that they would feel like, you know, actually they're going to find the answers to the questions that they're asking in their heart. They're not going to immediately go to a church, but they are drawn to something deeper. So, you know, we have young people who are interested in spiritual things. So they want to know, like, what is the meaning of life? They want to know, like, what's the point of existence? They want to know, who am I? What am I here for? And, you know, the predominant questions of young people today are built around three issues. Number one, who am I? Number two, where do I belong? And number three, what should I do in my life? And I think that there's a tremendous spiritual curiosity in young people about those issues. And one of the exciting things that we can do is when we start to think of the gospel in terms of um, scratching a spiritual itch, there's another funny phrase for us Mm -hmm. today, um, so actually, when we actually answer the questions that young people are asking, not the questions that we want to be asking, we can create a hook where we actually can take that curiosity and provide an answer in Jesus. And that's the most exciting thing for me. And that's what we're able to do for some of the work that we're doing. And I think every Christian can do it. Everybody can look around them and say, where are people spiritually curious right now? And how can I use that as a hook to introduce them to a spiritual reality and then introduce them to Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, it sure does. One of the questions that that comes off of that is how, I mean, you're dealing with young people. Wow, that's an amazing number of people you're you're impacting every day. But how do we get those to to have those young people, and this is probably not part of your book, it's just sort of uh, just an, uh, 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 giving, giving me some advice more than anything else. Yeah. How do we connect with those people? How do we do that to get them to even ask those questions? Yeah, so uh, I believe that we have to stir spiritual curiosity. So we have to start with something that they know and then introduce them to something that they don't. So if you look in society today, there are different things that are happening all over the world right now. So even down to, for example, like music, Mm -hmm. so people's love for music, there's something almost transcendent about music, isn't there? Like it seems to tap into something that's more than our five senses. So music is one way that we can use it as a hook. Um, Art is another way. Movies are another way. Um, 
the, the desire in young people to want to find out who they are, we can use all these things as hooks to ask questions to them in order that they might ask questions to us. So a lot of what we do in Grace, and like you say, it's, it's not particularly in the book, it's just sort of what we do every day, is, is that we create environments where we build relationship with young people and we might put something in front of them that causes them to ask more questions because most young people's experience of Christianity, certainly, in, I don't know what it's like in the States, but in Britain, it, the way I describe it is it's akin to having fresh snow with no footprints in it. Mm. There's just nothing there. So we're probably more, maybe even more post-Christian than you guys are. Um, and it's like, so when you're talking about church or when you're talking about Jesus, often the only other time that they've even heard the name of Jesus is a swear word. That's true. Oh, that's, that's what we're dealing with. How sad. So we go in and we sort of think, oh, I want to share the gospel with this young person. So we go in and say, hey, you've sinned. You need to ask Jesus into your heart. And the young people are asking, what sin? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, why, why would I ask this dead person, Jesus, 2,000 years ago? Why is he in my heart? Yeah. You know, do I need a heart bypass? <laughs> and they're not at all asking the same questions that we are. Yeah. So we're using a different language, and we're, we're, it's like we're aliens coming from a different planet, and no wonder they don't connect with it. Yeah, so exactly. to answer your question, how do we connect, is we've got to meet them where they are. That's right. We've got to go back to their starting point. And actually, I guess that's kind of true of any generation, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got, you've, got to, you've got to be able to – you've got to be able to cross that sort of um, – Almost like a, you know, sort of wilderness there between where we are and where some where, you know, other people may be. And I think that you're absolutely right. I remember talking to a, a relative who, um, and, and I was, was a little girl and she was talking and I was telling her about the fact that Christmas was coming and I was trying to explain to her what Christmas was. And she knew that Christmas meant presents. But she had no clue. I said something, well, that's when Jesus was born. That's when God sent his son. That's when God came down. When God, you know, God sent Jesus. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, who's God? I mean, it was, yeah. it, and this was a little girl. This was probably, she was probably about nine or 10 at that point. Who's God? Who's Jesus? And, and one of my relatives was like, Oh my goodness, life has gone by so fast. It's like, unbelievable. The last question that I want to, I want to ask of you. And, um, I think this is a very good way to place to stop is, um, why do you say that there is no greater place where kindness is needed than in the world of social media? Wow. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, I guess it links back into, you know, you, you sort of made a comment earlier, didn't you, about the divided nature yeah. of politics and the world that we're all living in, um, whatever you are in the world right now. One of the things that, um, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, uh, Peter talks about, he, he tells us basically how to share the good news. And it's really exciting because he gives us, I, I like to know, like give me the instructions. And he basically says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And um, whenever I think about that, it, it, it's almost a little bit of a pattern, isn't it? It's like always be ready, so I've got to be ready. So, you know, We've got to be ready at all times. Give an answer. We've got to give an answer. Um, for the hope that we have, we've got to have hope, but do with gentleness and respect, which comes to your question of how do we show respect and, and how do we recognize that in the world of social media, 
I do believe that it's more toxic than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, social media is like a hammer. You know, it's just a tool. A hammer can be used for good and a hammer can be used for bad. But actually, as Christians, I think we now live, we live online, and especially young people, they live online. There's no even sense of like online, offline. They just live in that world. And right now, if we were to look across social media, if you think if that is the only example that people are having of Christianity, of what Christians believe and what they're like, honestly, I think they would probably look and see a bunch of people fighting with each other over issues that don't really matter in eternity. And I'm not sure that I would want to join that club. So the reason to answer your question, why do we need kindness so much more, is that if we want to represent Jesus to our world, we've got to start acting like Jesus online. Absolutely, absolutely. What what a what a great way to to sort of end this. But I, uh, before we go, I do need to ask you: How do we get your book? Yes. So parallel faith, walking alongside of us on their journey to Christ. It's available now. You can get it on um, Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on Audible. You can buy it from Barnes and Noble. You can order it direct from Hendricks and Rose or Tyndale Publishers. So wherever good books are sold, if you look for it and you can't find it, don't ever go back there again because it clearly doesn't sell good books. Um, but basically, <laughs> I'd love you to be able to get hold of it. And and also, if you want to be able to kind of connect with me, I spend a quite a bit of time on Instagram as well at Dave Bowden too, B-O-D-N, Dave Bowden too. And come and talk to me about what you think about the books. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm loving it now it's out in the world because something which has been in me for a while, I'm now having these conversations about how we can connect more people with Jesus, which absolutely. is just the best thing in the world. Absolutely. Again, give us give us the name of the book. Par- so it's Parallel Faith. Parallel Faith. Walking alongside others on their journey to Christ. Okay, okay perfect. We'll, we'll get that on our website and folks, go buy it. Thank you so much, David. It's been delightful talking with you and you're giving us all such hope. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've loved it. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class, inspiring guest.